Season 2 of Acts of Gluten-Free Chef Podcast is brought to you by Calvin Eaton, founder and editor-in-chief of the Gluten-Free Chef blog, an online health and wellness community dedicated to providing you with relevant, up-to-date information on how to live a happy, healthy, and safe gluten-free lifestyle. The Gluten-Free Chef blog also provides meal plans, recipes, and other health-related articles tailored to those living with celiac disease and those living with chronic autoimmune illnesses. To learn more, visit theglutenfreechefblog.com or like us on Facebook at The Gluten-Free Chef blog by Calvin Eaton, Twitter under Gluten-Free Chef 5, hashtag AxeTheGlutenFreeChef, Instagram, or by emailing axthegluten-free-chef at gmail.com. Axe the Gluten-Free-Chef podcast is found on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and is in a one-hour format, and we premiere every second and fourth Friday of each month. So without further ado, here's this week's episode of Axe the Gluten-Free-Chef podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ask the Gluten Free Chef Podcast. This is your host, Calvin Eaton here, and um, this is a kind of a special episode for us um, this afternoon here. Um, I'm not sure when you're listening, but for me it's afternoon. I have with us a special co-guest host, um, Nikki Sizemore. Hi, Nikki. How are you? Hi, Calvin. I'm doing great. Wonderful. I'm so glad that we're finally connecting. Um, I don't even know if our listeners want to know. We've we've kind of taken a little bit of time to finally get here, even just a few minutes ago when we were having, or I should say I was having some technical difficulties <laughs> getting us started. So It's been a little bit of tag back and forth because this has been the season of illness for, <laughs> at least for my family, all of a sudden. And so yeah. it's so good to finally, finally yeah. be here with you and to be connecting. Absolutely. And... This is, I mean, it's been a, it's been a busy week, Nikki. Um, for me, um, obviously, but you know, I, we really want to learn more about you. And this is the debut week of your new cookbook, which is your first cookbook, right? That's um, right. Yes, yeah. my first cookbook. It's called the Food Processor Family Cookbook, and it is launching this week, which I am really excited about. It's been quite the voyage, and uh, yeah. really excited to share it with my readers. Absolutely. So for those of us, you know, who this is a podcast regularly, um, obviously we, we this whole second season um, has been, Nikki, um, just to kind of fill you in, we've been interviewing and had like a guest co-host format and um, really um, learning more about just like real everyday people who live gluten-free because really my goal in this season was to highlight that, um, you know, oftentimes gluten-free is like, it's, it's a label, but people, it's like, oh, People always think about what they can't eat. It, it, it always goes back to food, and, and that's true. But but I really want people to appreciate that gluten free is really it's just it's about wellness. It's about eating yeah. and living as clean and well as possible, and um, it en- encompasses so much more than just what we eat. And so through this season of the podcast, actually gluten free chef, and through you know my food blog, the gluten free chef blog, really making it about a lifestyle because it's, you know, your lifestyle encompasses your diet, it encompasses, you know, mentally, physical. And so 
we really wanted to kind of talk about how we change our mind and shift how we look at gluten-free living and really make it about our lifestyle. And um, you you kind of embody that. So let's talk a little bit about you, Nikki. Nikki's far from her here. You know, she's released this, this week. It's her um, launch of her first cookbook, The Food Processor Family Cookbook. But before we get into that, just mm-hmm. kind of give our listeners some information about just, just who you are as a person and how you got to this kind of this place speaking to me, the Actually Gluten-Free Chef podcast. Um, yeah, how, 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 did you, how did you get to this moment? Because obviously all of what we do before a moment there's been like a journey, so we want to learn a little bit about your just your journey in general. Yeah, it has been a journey. I'll tell you that much. Um, I I started out. I mean, I I don't really know where to begin, but I will. Ke- I'll try to keep it short and sweet. Um, I went to culinary school in 2005, and okay. at that time, I was not gluten free, and I was eating everything. And um, since then, I have been freelancing. I've been a freelancer. I was really fortunate to start a freelance career during that time and to maintain it um, up until now, um, doing okay. a myriad of different things in the food world from recipe mm-hmm. development and food styling and um, some marketing and PR, which is what I did prior to going to culinary school, okay. test kitchen work, I mean, kind of like everything, um, mm-hmm. which I think other freelancers out there can commiserate with is, you you know, you, you end up having to wear a lot of hats. And I have to apologize really quickly because I'm a little stuffy because I have a cold, so I apologize to your listeners for that. But long story short, um, I had my first daughter in 2010. Her name is Ellen. She's now five, almost six. And um, what happened is in the year year and a half after she was born, my health started to kind of go downhill, and we couldn't figure out what was happening for a long time. And um, you finally got to the point where we we had moved to a new town in New York, and I had a new doctor, and she was really all about wellness. And it was the first time I had a doctor who spoke to me about things not just from a Western medicine perspective, but also um, kind of more holistically, which really resonated with me because I think naturally that's kind of the way I was living my life. I don't like to see a doctor if I can prevent things on my own. I'm just kind of that person. It might just be because I'm squeamish when it comes to hospitals and doctor's offices. But regardless, she... um, she recognized some things that were going on with me that I don't think another doctor would have recognized as quickly. Um, I was having thyroid issues. I have hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. Um, And she cut, she told me to omit gluten from my diet. And I, I told her she was crazy. I was like, mm-hmm. honey, I'm a chef. <laughs> I develop recipes for a living. I don't think I can do that. Right. And and she said, give it a try and let's just see what happens. And I was so miserable at that point physically. Right. And I had a one-and-a-half-year-old, and I just mm-hmm. felt, I felt so bad. Mm-hmm. And I am not kidding, probably within three weeks, I started to feel significantly better. 
and to the point where I have never looked back. And I have tried to incorporate gluten back into my diet a few times, and sure. it has not been. Uh, it, it, it clearly my body is not designed to consume gluten anymore because it is not a good idea for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had repercussions when I've tried to. Um, yeah. And so at this point, I'm just like, well, why fight it? You know, I'm really fortunate to have the skill set as uh, with a cooking background to be able to prepare things gluten-free, and it, it's actually been really fun for me. And I still I still do recipe development with, uh, all, you know, all-purpose flour and things for clients. I just... Right. You know, I, I can't taste it, but I have yeah. a slew of tasters that taste for me. And sure. I, at this point, I cook so much I can tell when something's working and when something's not. Right. But <clears throat> that's kind of the long and short of it um, as far as my, my road to going gluten-free. And so, you know, here I am today, and it's been about four years since I've cut gluten out of my diet. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, here I am talking to you with a cold, but I have to say yeah. my health, my health is so much better. Um, and I should back up and say I did an entire elimination diet where it wasn't just gluten, um, right. but I cut out a bunch of different things and then started to incorporate them back into my diet. And everything else I'm fine with, but the gluten portion, for some reason, seems to affect my thyroid mm-hmm. um, levels. It's, it, it just seemed to have uh, a bigger effect. And um, I battled Lyme's disease, and so, you know, it instantly brings back those Lyme symptoms of joint pain and yes. all of that stuff. So well, it's very interesting, Nikki, because you're, you're even in just like a few moments, you're kind of giving us a fast track of, you know, your, the, the last few years. And usually you're, you've, you've touched on so many points that are common threads for most people that, um, that, we, that, I, that I speak to. And, you know, obviously being, you know, a freelancer and a blogger like you are, um, there's always some type of a pivotal moment in your life where you you really begin to notice that you're not well, and then that mm. that begins the journey to trying to figure out how to get yourself back to feeling the way you're used to feeling. Yeah. And it's interesting because so much kind of you don't even think about it until like a time fight where we as a society, I think, um, you know, when you see a doctor, it's because something's wrong and you want the doctor to fix it. And they're, they're, they're kind of like diagnosing you from that same angle where yeah. here's, a, here's a wrong, let's make it right with a pill, with a this, with a that. And a lot of times those pills and whatever don't work because it, it does go back to what we're putting inside of our bodies. But for some reason, it's always such a shock to us when, they, when you say, hmm, I, maybe I should stop eating this or maybe I should stop eating that. And so... For so many of us, that's like this foreign, absurd, crazy notion that how can you feel better by changing what we eat? And, you know, I've I've been guilty of it. I I didn't think it was either. You know, it's like, oh, well, you think, oh, I eat fine. And it's not that you don't eat fine. It's just that you're not eating the right types of things for your body. And I think hearing your story and, and someone listening to this who may be going through a similar circumstance right now, feeling unwell, you, you may not look, you know, you may not look bad, but you feel unwell, whether that's you or a child or a spouse or a friend, um, getting to this place where you begin to say, hey, maybe I need to start to change some of my lifestyle. So that might mean changing yeah. your diet, that might mean changing your level of exercise or movement, 
that might mean changing what you're putting on your skin. All of these types of things affect our bodies, and I think it's so good to hear you tell your story because even though the journey is always different, there's these common themes and threads, no matter who it is that we've spoken to on the podcast, there's this this, this aha moment. Well, and it's interesting because it yeah, you're, you you adapt to this level of what you think is normal, and right. then when you start to feel good, and you're and then I remember I remember talking to my husband, and I was like, I can't believe I lived like that for so long because mm-hmm. I just thought that was my normal because I got so used to it, um, right. and then you start to feel good, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is not this is good. I don't know what I how I how I survived that for so long, but we. We do kind of create this this level of normality and this mm-hmm. false level of health. Um, you know, even though maybe intuitively we know that we're not living, you know, to our optimum selves. We're not we're not expressing our optimum selves in some exactly. way. Exactly. And for you, it's a little different because I have this conversation all the time. I, you know, as, as, as listeners, who, you know, who, who are who know the podcast. Um, I have celiac disease, and you know, but before even before I was officially diagnosed, like you said, I you know several years ago, you know, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, I was really ill. Um, I knew something wasn't right. You know, I'm a young guy, out of college, working full time, and then just like I hit a wall, and um, I did. I I also was just becoming unwell now. I also deal with some autoimmune, you know, chronic illnesses, fibromyalgia being one of them, lupus being another one, where, you know, these are not going to just be, be obviously cured by changing my diet. I don't want anyone listening to think sure. that we're promoting Absolutely. that. You just eat gluten-free and you'll be cured. You, you know, that's not what we're saying. No. Nope. Um, but I will be, I think we, I want us to kind of come back to that a, a little later but my point in saying that was that it sounds like for you, I don't, I don't know, do you have, like, a gluten sensitivity diagnosis or intolerance or celiac disease? I do um, not have celiac, yes. So I have a gluten intolerance um, mm-hmm. diagnosis, which is what my doctor told me. And right. even, you know, it's funny, though, because even when she said that, I always assumed I would be able to eat gluten again. I just always right. thought, well, I was like, well, I'll give it up, and then I'll, you know, go through this thing, get myself healthy again, and then I'm going to it'll be fine. I'll be able to put it back into my diet. And every time I've tried that, it's like banging my head against a wall. Why did you do this, Nikki? This is not a good idea. So I'm not sure what it is. And and it kind of kills me when I read people on social media and say that gluten intolerance is a a lie. And, and, you know, I just want to, I just want to tell them like, live in my body for a day and eat gluten. And you will, you, you can't say that. You can't say that because what I, what I experience is a very real and visceral reaction to eating, eating well, gluten. But it hasn't stopped. What's amazing about it is it's not it's not slowed. I mean, it, it's almost made my habits of eating even more beautiful. And I, I mean, obviously I love yeah. to cook. This is what I do for a living. But it's 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 opened up so many other doors for me nutritionally and um and also from like a flavor standpoint. I think mm-hmm. I've grown so much as a chef. And and you know, the benefit of of creating a, a much healthier person in the long run too has been priceless. So it's so important that we, we understand that for those people listening who may not have a celiac diagnosis, 
you know, a celiac diagnosis isn't the only reason why people are living a gluten-free lifestyle or even if it's just a diet. So, you know, let's just make that clear. Gluten sensitivity, um, gluten intolerance, celiac disease are three different, very real, but still very different illnesses. You also have people who have a wheat allergy, like people have a peanut allergy. These sure. are all roads to why people are gluten-free, but we want to just be clear that these are all very real, individual-specific diagnoses. Um, and, you know, be, just because someone doesn't have celiac disease doesn't mean that, you know, their intolerance is not a real medically classified illness. And just to kind of throw it in, because we're really about transparency, Nikki, and being, you know, keeping it very authentic, you know, the, the book, there's an awesome book outside of your book, of course, and we will come back to your book, but um, Dr. Alessio Fasano, who is the founder and director of the Celiac and Research Center um, at Massachusetts General Hospital in Massachusetts, he his book, Gluten Freedom, um, talks a lot about the history of celiac disease, how and why it's so prevalent now. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he was really the founding father of doing the research coming from Europe and really seeing celiac disease spike in the United States and why that was happening and talking about, you know, the different levels of celiac disease, talking about sensitivity and tolerance. So for those listening who really want to get, you know, some kind of like hard facts, real data on gluten sensitivity and, and, and celiac disease, et cetera, Gluten Freedom, you know, it's on Amazon. You know, I reviewed the book on the Gluten Free Chef blog last year. The book was released in 2014, but it's a great, I think, starting point when you really want to kind of, even for people who are just interested about what what is it all about. Yeah, that's a great absolutely. Start. But um, again, like like you said, I think the overall theme of what you know your journey so far is that you noticed that something that you were taking in was was making your body feel bad, and then when you stop taking that yeah. thing, that thing being gluten in your case you started to feel better. And so, yeah. like, you know, I think who, who of us wouldn't want to feel better when you felt good and then you feel bad and then you learn a new normal and then when you start to say, hey, this this treatment is working, who wouldn't want to do that? And it seems mm -hmm. like you've embraced it, and I think that's where we want the conversation to move into. So for those folks listening or, or who might be interested in living gluten-free to try to find a place that they're more well than they are now. How did, I mean, you, you kind of have a different perspective, Nikki, because you have that culinary background and you love to cook because of that, you know, and I had that too. But, but being a mother, you know, you said that you, when you were newly diagnosed, not diagnosed, but when you were newly um, changing your lifestyle, your, your eating, and you, mm -hmm. you had a new daughter, how did you, where did, where did you start, how did you start, and how did you convince even, like, your husband to, follow suit. Right. About that. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a good question. And it's funny because I, that's a question I've never really asked myself before. <laughs> I think I think it happened pretty gradually. Um, lucky for me, when I cut gluten out of my diet, there were already a lot of gluten-free alternatives on the market. I don't buy, I mean, my whole, I have a blog called From Scratch Fast. I don't buy a lot of processed food. I am not a saint. I am not going to pretend like I don't buy bags of chips and bars of chocolate and that kind of stuff. I do. But I also try as 
much as I can to cook home-cooked from scratch meals on um, every night of the week. Simple stuff. It does not have to take hours to, to prepare, uh-huh. and that's kind of my whole my whole purpose is to show people how they can cook food from scratch in the scope of a busy lifestyle. Um, and I found that at first I just kind of omitted the bread aspect of things, yep. which was easier than I thought it was going to be. That's how I started. I started the exact same way. I just stopped eating bread. Just yeah. Just, yep. And there's so many. I mean, I love I love cooking with vegetables. The color, <laughs> the seasonality. I find it really fulfilling and really fun and really beautiful. I also, you know, we live in the Hudson Valley. My family and I, we have awesome access to farm-raised meat. We get really good pasture-raised meats. And so by kind of starting there and using some of these whole grains, which all of a sudden were so available, like quinoa and and um, millet and amaranth and things like that, I kind of started to experiment, obviously different kind of rices are gluten-free. Mm-hmm. And I found that I didn't really miss bread all that much and I think the reason is because I just was feeling so much better that I, I, I honestly would have done anything I mean and then you know you get to this new normal and it's like oh my gosh I, I don't care <laughs> I don't care about not eating the bread and then you start but then you can start to incorporate some of the things you miss you know we all do want to have a cookie now and then we do mm-hmm. want to make cakes and experience those celebratory meals that we're used to, mm-hmm. and we have so much access, so many great resources today to make delicious food from scratch using gluten-free flours, whether it's an almond flour or coconut flour or brown rice flour, without having to go crazy. I'm not, like I said, my whole approach is to keep things really approachable and really simple for my audience, and so I don't when I do baked goods, I try not to have a uh, hundred ingredients in my in my ingredient list. Which I think in the beginning, when you looked at when I have some gluten free cookbooks, and oh my goodness, <laughs> the I have a gluten free cookbook, and the pie dough was like twenty ingredients long, and I was like, I'm never going to make this. I don't want to have to buy seventeen different gluten free flours. But exactly. things have come a long way. They've come a long way, and I think we've all simplified. You know, all of us kind of now in this gluten free community have simplified. Um, simplified, and there's some great gluten-free flours on the market as well, all-purpose flours, which make yep. things really easy. So, you know, I, I think I think I just started by cutting out the bread, and yep. then and then one started step to at a time. Yeah. yeah, one step at a time, and to incorporate other things. And I think you know, a big tip um, for me was I've always been. I've always been a seasonal eater, but this really, really kind of dug me into that mentality because I found going to the farmer's market or going to the market and picking out a lot of produce and picking out some really fresh fish and meats, that distracted me (laughs) from the bread section or from the bakery section, you know, and I could get some beautiful food and not feel like I was missing, you know, missing anything. Well, I think what you said, Nikki, is important. That you, you, you know, kind of. I'm in, and I'm sitting in the, in the classroom now. I'm always thinking about like today we were talking about main ideas and summarizing. You know, so I'm always I'm always referencing from the teacher standpoint. But I say that to say, you said something very key. I think you said you just started with cutting out the bread, and I think, you know, that's the best piece of advice that 
someone who's lived with celiac disease, and then you as well, you're you're saying that don't. So you get a diagnosis, or or even if you okay, you started the new year off. It was your New Year's resolution to um, eat healthier, and you want to try a gluten free lifestyle. Let's say this is the this is a person listening to this episode of the podcast. I think instead of trying to go through your pantry and like donate everything to Foodland that's that's you know you want to get rid of your pantry, I think starting simple and starting with just like one food group at a time, you know, if you're someone who doesn't have like a celiac diagnosis, mm-hmm. that's a great place to start. Even and even if you're someone who who has gotten a celiac diagnosis recently and now you you're tasked with changing your lifestyle all of because no matter no matter which one it is, it's still the same feelings that one day you have to start making a change. Where do I start? Yeah. Start with that. Like start with, hey, I'm going to make a sandwich for my lunch, and instead of using bread, I'm going to use something else. Or, like you said, starting with the bread, I'm going to go out to the store and I'm going to buy one of the plethora now of these awesome gluten-free breads that are really good, whether it be Udi or Glutino or um, and one of the better brands that I love is um, from or Canyon Bakehouse, and the other one is um, I put it. I just lost. I just lost it. It's um, what is it? Against All Grain. Against All Grain and Canyon Bakehouse are great commercial gluten free bread brands that um, like you said, that it gives you a place to start because I think you can get very overwhelmed with all the flowers and all this and quinoa you know, and millet and all of these things that you can become very overwhelmed. So I think when you're trying to, like, think about rebuilding your pantry, instead of thinking about it as um, throwing anything out or getting rid of anything, think about how you can kind of just really go through, like, what do you have on, what do you have on hand that's whole, real, that grows from a garden? Because really, Nikki, like you mentioned, when you're eating real food, clean, real, or, or not not clean, but whole real food. So you're eating fresh veggies, fresh fruit. You're using, you know, lean meats. If you start there, even if you're just, you know, buying like, you know, chicken breast, whatever it is, if you start with that, those whole real food groups, that's really how you start. And then all the convenience products, there's so many things on the market now that you can go to either your blog, you know, from Scratch Staff or the Gluten Free Chef blog and, you know, where we review different brands where you can kind of find out what's the best brand to get for what. But but before you even get to that, just really, if you think about gluten-free as real whole food, you really can't go wrong because most of that stuff is already naturally gluten-free if you're eating that way. Yeah. We have a lot of that in our kitchen already. And, you know, and we what's, have lettuce, et cetera. What's you cool know. is that once you start, taking that stuff out of your diet, you are going to be replacing it with stuff that is really good for you. And so if you're taking the processed breads and stuff out of your diet, you know, I absolutely agree with you, first of all, is is to not be scared about this journey. And there are so many things that you can you can you can replace you know there are so many replacements nowadays that are gluten free but I still hesitate for to to make that instant uh, replacement because right. take a look at the item in it in the first place and what what is in the ingredient list are they all things that you can understand is it is it full of preservatives and stuff or maybe you know that might be something that you want to like 
well, I'm going to get rid of this for now and let me try to, you know, eat some fresh food in its place and see if I can make that work and save this as more of a treat type of scenario. You know, thinking about packaged cookies and um, And granola bars and all that stuff. I mean, you can't say it enough. That's another great point that you mentioned. You know, gluten-free does not mean healthier. Gluten-free does not calorie-free. Gluten-free does not mean, you know, um, sugar-free. So, all of the tenets of eating well, eating balanced, apply whether you're eating gluten-free or not. And like you said, if, if, you're, if you're just going out and shopping for all gluten-free, convenient, packaged, processed foods, that's, that's fine, but that still doesn't get you to wellness. It depends on what your goals are. Yeah, if you're looking for – it just depends on what your goals are. And and, and let me sure. tell you, I I firmly believe there's a place for sweets and, you know, I, everything in moderation, even moderation. We make – we don't eat a lot of sweets during the week except for chocolate and the occasional mm-hmm. cookie from the freezer. But on the weekend, we make desserts. You know, we are – my husband and daughters and I all have sweet teeth, and I think that it can be a really great thing for, you know, a great thing for us from a delicious standpoint, but also it's kind of just a bonding thing. I love to bake with my daughter. I love to bake with my husband, and I would never cut that out. I think that there's something really Absolutely. special about it. Um, so I'm not saying, like, you know, don't go buy sugar and all that stuff, but depending on what your goals are, be careful, you know, and if, you, if your goals are to start eating healthier, then, yeah, you do want to kind of get that processed stuff off the shelf and incorporate more more home, home-cooked home stuff if you can. And, you know, find a balance that works for you and your lifestyle, I think, is really important. And it's so, it's so key, like, like you said, and, like, we're, you know, our theme of, of saying all of this is to say if, if your goal is to be – try to eat healthier and eat well, you, you can never go wrong with eating clean, whole, real food. And most most whole, real food is naturally gluten-free. And so I think yeah. it's less about the label of gluten-free or not and more about trying to be healthier in the sense that you're, you're incorporating more whole, real food in your diet the majority of the time. And like you said, I, I mean, I'm on your blog now, Nikki, and these, these banana, banana nut muffins, I think they are, um, there's, there's 10 ingredients in them. I mean, I think, you know what I'm saying? Like, these are, these are the yes. types of recipes and resources that, you know, as food bloggers, we're always thinking about it from the person on the go, the person who doesn't yes. have a lot of time to, to bake cakes that have 20 steps and 15 ingredients. You know, you, you, wanna, you want it to be, if, if I'm telling people to, you know, enjoy the kitchen a little bit better or get more apt in the kitchen or adept in the kitchen, you you want to start simple, and I think the recipes that you've developed and that are developed in the Gluten Free Chef blog, you know, really speak to the person who has a family who don't have tons and tons of time every day to cook, you know, and take it forever in the kitchen. You want to get in, you want to get out, and you want to eat. Um, but you but you're, you're, you want to be mindful. So talk a little bit about you know back to food, of course. You know your beautiful food blog. You know, where did that come into play in yeah. your journey? Because you talked about your culinary background. <laughs> well, I, the, the food blog came about because I teach cooking classes, and mm-hmm. I realized I needed to send some people. I needed to send these people somewhere because they kept asking me, can I get can I get some more recipes or can I, you know, yes. where can I get cooking classes? How can I find information? And so 
that's how the blog came about a couple of years ago. And it, you know, I feature all sorts of recipes. The, the, the purpose of From Scratch Fast are meals and recipes that can be made from scratch in under an hour. So that there's a, there's a, that's the kind of the overall scheme there. But there's, you know, a little bit of everything. So my last post, my daughter just turned one, my youngest. I cannot believe she's already oh, young, already one. So your daughter, beautiful. But these banana muffins or cupcakes I, I developed for her for her first birthday because it's her first birthday. The girl hasn't had cake yet. I didn't want to yeah. give, give her something like too outrageously sweet. And so I developed this banana muffin made with almond flour, really simple list of ingredients, mm -hmm. um, sweetened with honey. She's one year now, so she can officially yep. have honey. Um, and then they turned out so delicious as muffins. They're really tender, kind of like the uh, banana bread, but it's kind of like the most, the most moist and tender banana bread you can imagine. But for her, for her birthday, I just swirled on a really simple cream cheese frosting. And so... Yeah. It was a nutritious, you know, because it's made with almond flour, it's got some protein, yeah. it's got some fiber. And what's cool is that nobody knew that what I was serving was even gluten-free or even somewhat, I mean, I wouldn't call them healthy, but they weren't, they, they were fairly nutritious. Um, and you no know, one knew. They, were, they just tasted really good and they were easy to make. And so that's kind of what I aim to do. You know, I right. love colorful food. I love bright food. Um, salads and, you know, anything from like a roast chicken, simple way to cook a roast chicken to uh, and the gr something on the grill in the summer that you can throw together really quickly. And that kind of brings me to the book is what I found if, you know, when I'm trying to get food on the table quickly, I need all the help I can get as far as tools go. And I am not a gadget person. Any, any, any of my family members will tell me, like, give me my chef's knife and you know, for a long time, that's all, that's, I was adamant about that's all I needed. That and my microplane and a spatula, yeah, you know, and a wooden spoon. And I've grown, I've grown up a little bit from there, and I do need, um, I do need some help in the kitchen, and my food processor has become my sous chef. And I, she even has a name. As you can imagine, after all testing 120 recipes for this cookbook, her name is Betty, and she sits on my counter, and she's really sweet, and she helps me cook every night. But, but things like that. I mean, so I use the food processor in my cookbook to expedite things. So I can make a marinade in, like, five minutes, or I can make a sauce really quickly or I can shred a pound of carrots for a salad or chop up a pesto. So things like that where I think about, okay, I want a really delicious and vibrant meal. I, I'm all about a lot of flavor and balance of flavor. So right. How do I achieve that in a way that makes sense? Because even though I might spend all day cooking as for my job, I have the same challenge as anybody else as far as you know, when I get home at 5 and the kids picking up the kids and then trying to get dinner on the table before somebody has a meltdown and then it's bath time and the kids are in bed at 7.30. So it's like this race, you know, to get food on the table. And so I get that, you know, and I, I clearly have a lot of advantages because I'm in the, I'm in the industry, but I, I do at least try to give as many tips, as many do-ahead techniques. You know, I find little things that I can do ahead of time, like in the morning when the kids are eating breakfast, if I can even just make a salad dressing, 
that will make my night go a lot faster. It's all these little things that I do ahead of time. Or if I can, at lunchtime, like, okay, I'm going to chop the cabbage for later tonight. <laughs> I do that kind of stuff, just thinking thinking ahead so that it's not such a race come dinner time when everyone's hungry and, you know. So, well, Nikki, I'm, I'm so happy that you we've kind of segued into the, your book because I'm sitting, it's in front of me, it's a stunning cover of these like gorgeous pot pies. Mm-hmm. So your book, you know, the food process, the food, oh, no, let me say the correct name. So it's, you say the title because I really, I have to yes. touch because I love It's cookbook. the Food Processor Family Cookbook. <laughs> it's a long title. <laughs> yes. So it's 120 meals for, 120 recipes for fast meals made from scratch. So um, the book officially is released on Friday. Um, Friday, we, um, I got, I was so gracious to be given a, a copy for, kind of like an advanced copy for those of you who are listening. And what I like about the book, outside of the stunning cover, Nikki, is that, you know, you kind of, it's not, you know, there's 120 of these amazing, simple, really easy-to-follow recipes. But even before we get to that, I love the fact that you kind of introduce some history about the food processor because even me as a food person, when you said, when you were talking about kind of, you know, the book initially, you mentioned something that struck out for me. You said, you know, as a chef, culinary person, you were about your knife, your microplane. And so even for me who loves to be in the kitchen, I even, because the way that you organize your book so great and really, it really helped me to think about, man, I'm, I use the food processor a lot, but there are so many more opportunities that I, I don't use it, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, why don't I oh, do that? Yay! Why don't I start to see, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm chopping and grating by hand, and I, yeah. and I thought when I was looking at the introduction, I said, oh, my God, this is someone who loves the cooking. I'm thinking, I don't even use it to do that. I don't make soup in my food processor. And it's like, I thought, well, why not? So here why you are, both, yeah, giving me the, the um, not so much it's a new concept, but just the fact that it's like the idea, like, oh, my God, the food processor really is or should be the workhorse so that you're not working as hard as you do. Um, but, but again, it's like so many of us, you just don't even think about that appliance and how you can use it better in your life as a cook. And I think for someone who's new to gluten-free or even just trying to get in the kitchen more, your cookbook, this the food processor family cookbook, is like this is the book to get because the recipes are simple, and it's really giving you, really just helping you up to appreciate how to use your food processor processor better and more efficiently as well, as someone who has a family. I'm like blushing because everything you said is so gracious and so thank you. I mean that was that was my hope. Absolutely. Um, you know, I I do. I know I said this earlier, but I really, really try to make things approachable and and simple. And I think, I think that what scares people about using their food processor is having to clean it. Yeah. <laughs> and I uh, I, I understand yeah. that, but I don't think it should deter you because it will make the cooking process go so much faster. And I have some great tips for cleaning your food processor. Yes, and I'm honestly, though, my, my, my main tip, I have to tell you, is that I just get the food out of there. As soon as I'm done processing, I get the food out of there, and then I fill it with soapy hot water. 
and I, yep. and then it just sits there. And then after dinner, I literally just have to rinse it out. Or I, yep. actually, my husband does because he does the dishes. That's the bargain because I cook, and so he does the dishes. He does a very good job. But I find that that's the easiest thing. You know, just get the food out of there so it doesn't start to harden or dry out, mm-hmm. and then fill it with hot soapy water. Or just wash yep. it right away if you're super motivated because um, it, it only takes about 40 seconds to wash the whole thing from top to bottom sparkling. Right. I mean, that's not that's not a lot of time. In, in the scheme um, of the recipe, it's, it's nothing. In the scheme of putting together a meal, it's, it's really... Yeah, try shredding a pound of cheese by hand on a box grater and see how long that takes you. Exactly. That's going to take you several minutes to do. I'm not, you know... So, well, that's, and, if you don't, that's if you don't like scrape your knuckles and have to stop and <laughs> Yeah, there's also risk involved with oh my that. God. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it is it is just it's a it's a tool, you know, that I use. But even even if you're not food proce- processor obsessed <laughs> Sure. Then I think the cookbook is still really useful because there are recipes. I mean, everything from like veggie mm-hmm. burgers yeah. and tons of dips, tons of meat whole entrees. You know, Asian these Asian style pork chops with this marinade that I die for, and, and I make it with a mint and cilantro chutney, and it's probably my favorite date night meal with my husband. Um, well, let me then, tell you, Nikki, because <laughs> I'm sorry to cut you off because. I actually read, I love cooking and cookbooks, and I actually read them, like, for entertainment. Let me just give you my favorites that I have highlighted that I have yet to, to make, but I'm, they're on my list. To, to oh, yay! Cook. So the, there's a curry, carrot, coconut, brown rice. Mm. That sounds really amazing. I have that highlighted. I have your Indian spice, chickpea, and collard green stew because I'm all about curry, Oh, and this time of year, this yeah. that is what you want to make this time of year. It is Absolutely. like my cure-all for when anybody in my family starts to get sick. The sriracha chicken wings, because meat is my treat. I, I mainly eat vegan, vegetarian, plant-based meals, but when I want a little treat, I, I, I like a chicken wing to be baked, and I like the fact that this sriracha, so the one thing about me, Nikki, that you, you don't know, that I'm, I'm telling you for the first time, Spice, spice, spice. I'm all about the spice. I'm all ah, about the all of that. So that yes. stuck out for me. And um, you have this, sounds really beautiful, a fruit tart with a raw macadamia crust. Mm-hmm. But someone who, who tries to eat mainly plant-based and a lot of smoothies yes. and juices. I mean, you even have some of that in, in the book. And so it really is the gamut. Like, I, I like the fact that you have thought about breakfast, you thought about lunch, you thought about dinner, snacks, soups, salads, and everything else in between. So what I really, and I'm not just saying this just to plug it, honestly speaking, like if, if this is a, a listener listening to this episode of the podcast and you are, um, this is the first cookbook, let's say this is the first cookbook, you're looking for a great first cookbook, this is the book you want to get because it's simple, um, you, you have this very awesome conversational style reading it you know you really thought about someone and that and that obviously speaks to you as an instructor teaching it's like guiding someone who may not be as equipped in the kitchen as you are which for people who are chefs sometimes you know i found in in getting books that are written um, from someone who's a chef or a culinary person sometimes the book is actually written more for someone who's very learned in the kitchen not for someone starting out, but sometimes 
that isn't always really clear from yeah. the cover or from the description. And you really have thought about the person who isn't the culinary expert like you yourself are. So that's what I really love. Well, thank you so much. I so appreciate that. Everything you said was so, so gracious and so kind. And, mm-hmm. you know, I hope I, I do this for I, – I, I hope people like it, you know, and I hope it helps. And I, I really believe that my work needs to have a function and it needs sure. to be useful and, and to help people on this journey of – of cooking food and getting back into the kitchen, you know, as a culture, we kind of have gotten away yeah. from that a little bit. And I it's really, I think it's so Absolutely. important for the health of our bodies, but also the health of our families. Um, and so, you know, if I can play a small role in there in that, then I feel like I feel really good about. Not only that, Nikki, but one thing that stuck out for me, I, I didn't realize this at first, but as I was looking through the recipes and everything, I said. Oh my God! Ninety-five percent of these recipes are gluten-free. Probably more than that. Um, a lot of nut-free and a lot of vegetarian, vegan-friendly recipes, which was surprising because a lot of times, even in gluten-free cookbooks, that's not always the case. Yeah, well, that's so kind of the way that. we eat. I mean, this yeah. this book is a true reflection of how my family eats, and you can tell we eat a little bit of everything. We're all over the board. From but we we eat a lot of vegetarian meals during the week because the meat we buy we buy good quality meat, but it's expensive, and so it you know because of that, and and I we just like veg we like vegetables, but but you know it's cost prohibitive for us to eat meat all the t- all the time. So we usually save like our roast chickens and our big pot roasts and our braises, yeah. braised short ribs or lamb chops. For the weekend, and during the week, we eat more vegetable and grain-based foods, you know, with, with some meat sprinkled in. But, um, but yeah, it, it kind of runs the gamut. And you can tell, I think, that I have kids, not, you know, for the listeners that do have a family, there are things that are really kid-friendly from my, my, my daughter's favorite muffins. I don't know if you knew you could use your food processor to make batters, but it's one of the coolest things I discovered because I never did before Mm -hmm. researching and writing this book. And I've discovered, like, I can make my grandma's banana bread, which is the best banana bread in the world, in my opinion. I have that that, um, highlighted as well. But I can make it, I can make the batter in the food processor, and therefore I don't have to get any bowls dirty like I you know usually when you're making batters it's about a three bowl process and you've got to make the dry ingredients and then the wet ingredients and there's a carrot cake too and this really cuts down on the amount of prep and the amount of bowls just by using your work bowl of your food processor and using that as kind of a mixing bowl so I definitely learned a little bit during the process too but there's yeah there's I think there's something something for everyone, but yeah, again, it's just like it's, a little yeah. selfish because it's just the way we eat. <laughs> well, and I think that's that's really what it's all about. There's there's something for everyone, and I think if if we, you know, as a society and even as a culture and as a niche for gluten free, getting out of this mindset that that you have to ascribe to these like stoic labels, but really just thinking about the whole person, there's something for everyone, and I think that if we just keep those tenets in mind, I think everybody would do, would do a lot better. You know, sometimes, like you said, sometimes, you know, most of the time you, you want to really be really on point with your diet and, and your health, but sometimes you want to splurge, and you yeah. want to take a cake, and you want a brownie, or you want a cookie, and you, you want to be able to, to make it in a way that that's simple, but, but also where you know where the 
ingredients came from. Yeah. Um, but you still important. want that to be from scratch doesn't have to mean that you're in the kitchen for, you know, half the day. You know, that's just exactly. not. Exactly. Exactly. That's not reasonable for most people, for most families. And I think you as a writer, you know, as an author, has really, you know, you you live that way and it's reflected through your work, and I think that's so important. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. But but I think I, what I want us to do, Nikki, I, I, I think we could talk for hours. But <laughs> I know. It's so much fun. <laughs> In, in a closing thought, what I want to say is that, you know, your blog, From Scratch Fast, I, I immediately, you know, a while ago added it to my, like, I have, like, a tab um, of all the food blogs that I visit pretty much regularly, and I'm already looking at these banana, muffins, cupcakes, whatever you want to call them, because tomorrow, you know, here at my school, we have a little staff luncheon, and I was trying to think about what do I want to what do I want to bring. I always bring something because I always want to have something gluten free that I can eat. And I was thinking, oh my god, I'm so tired. I'm I'm going to be podcasting um, with Nikki. I, I don't want to be in the kitchen all night. What can I bake? And lo and behold, you have the perfect recipe: these simple banana muffins. Um, they'll probably take me um, less than ten minutes to throw together, and I'm hoping that I can put the whole batter in the food processor. I yeah, you know what's funny is I didn't make th- these muffins in the food processor. I just did these by hand, and but you absolutely could. You absolutely could. The only thing is that when you're doing it, is you want to okay. pay, pay attention to the order of ingredients. Yes. So start with your wet ingredients. Pulse in. You can even like probably start with the banana, make the puree right in the absolutely. food processor. Okay. Blend in the wet ingredients and then pulse in the dry ingredients. And then you can finish mixing with a spatula. Just you know, stop it and just if there's any other little sprinkles of of almond flour or anything, just make sure to incorporate it fully. Look at that. So we got real time, real life advice, um, <laughs> real life recipes. <laughs> For, for a real life moment, because you know, isn't isn't that how it usually is? You you want to make something, but you you say, God, I don't want to spend four hours baking yes. something. Yes, and let me tell you, I have experience with these late night. Oh, I've got to bring the school snack tomorrow. What am I going to do? You know, I, I get that, and you you know, as long as you've got a, a good arsenal of oats and you know a few staple flowers in the cabinet, I feel like exactly. you can always mix something up. And I have to tell you, Calvin, the same goes for your coconut pecan sesame granola. The recipe is printed. It looks so simple and so lovely, and I can't wait to try it. So look at that. Yeah, right back at you. Right. Thank you so much. So, Nikki, you know, as we kind of close up, where can those listening, where can they find you? Where can they buy this awesome cookbook? Um, <laughs> kind of let's speak to that for a little bit. Yes. Okay. So I have a website. It's NikkiSizemore.com, N-I-C-K-I. Sizemore is S-I-Z-E-M-O-R-E. And there you can find my blog is at Nikki Sizemore. You can also go to FromScratchFast.com, and that will redirect you. I, I ended up just kind of combining everything into one place um, last year. But sure. you can go either place, and they'll take you to the blog portion. And then the Food Processor Family Cookbook is available on Amazon, and um, it's at kind of the larger chain bookstores, Barnes & Noble, and so on and so forth. Um, I don't Absolutely. know for any of the listeners who are in the Hudson Valley, but I am doing a cookbook signing on the 23rd in Cold Spring, New York, at the General Store I'm in downtown Cold Spring from 1 to 4. If anybody wants to join me for a glass of wine and a little nibble of a recipe from the book. Um, but, yeah, I, I thank you 
so much for having me on. This was so fun talking with you and kind of sharing this experience and this journey with you and your listeners. And Absolutely. So, and, I, and I think, you know, for those listening, you know, Nikki and I, you know, this is this won't be the last time that we kind of connect. You know, I'm not sure quite how we will connect again, but, I, you know, as a, a fellow blogger and, you know, foodie, you know, there, there's always something that you can yes. share. And I think that's what it's all about. Um, for you, for your blog, and the Gluten Free Chef blog, it's all about sharing and all about helping each other. And, you know, for anyone who has a comment or has a question about anything that we've discussed in this podcast episode or anything in the future, or if you want to, again, visit Nikki's blog and ask her a question, it's, it's you know, from scratchfast.com. There's yes, and I, oh, I wanted to mention, too, I'm on oh, Instagram and Twitter at Sizemore Nikki and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash From Scratch Fast. And I absolutely want questions or comments or even if you're just in the middle of cooking dinner and a crisis emerges, I'm so mm-hmm. happy to help <laughs> with stuff like that. So please feel free to reach out and or even just share your own stories. I love that. Absolutely. And, you know, just, you know, Again, you know, so so important to share because that's what it's really all about. We each one help one by sharing, and that's kind of how the journey continues. So, Nikki, thank you so much for for joining us this this afternoon for the podcast. Um, for those listening, of course, you can find more the Excellent Fish Chef podcast. We're on SoundCloud, and also by visiting the com, which has a new look. You know, for those of you who are used to going to the blog. On the new year, there's a new look. The blog has expanded a little bit. We have some more features and options, and we'll really continue to really speak to the the holistic piece of living gluten-free because, like we mentioned in this podcast, it's so much more than just what you eat and what you're not eating. But it really encompasses how you think, how you're living your life, you know, being, you know, really promoting a well-balanced, healthy, mental, physical, you know, emotional well-being. That's really what the Gluten Free Chef blog is all about and why we do this podcast to bring you individuals like Nikki who really ascribe to that and how she is, is living her life and um, kind of really maintaining her family. So on the Gluten Free Chef blog.com and again, you can find us on Facebook um, under the Gluten Free Chef blog, Instagram, the whole nine. Everyone knows social media, Gluten Free Chef. We're, we're out there. Um, but we will we'll say goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Nikki, thank you. Thank you again. This was so much fun. Thank you, Calvin. So much. Um, this is Calvin with Axe the Gluten Free Chef signing out. Thanks so much. Good night. <laughs>